amazing sense of purpose in preparing food for all those people. It was just, it was like a beautiful, or like a beautiful orchestra, like every instrument, like everything's just working together and, you know, aunt's over here and grandma's here. I mean, like everybody's just doing their part. And then everybody's just looking forward to that moment when it's like, you know, we pray and then we eat. And it's just like, yes. And, you know, who made this? Who made this? And it's like, oh, I did that. You know, it's just a great feeling. Welcome back to the Swirl Suite, everybody. This week on the podcast, we are continuing our Black food series with Black female chefs and Chef Lisa Brooks is our guest. In 2010, Chef Lisa decided it was time to follow her dreams and turn her passion into a purpose and a business. She left her corporate job, moved back to Charlotte, her hometown, and enrolled in culinary school. From there, the heart and soul personal chef service was born. Listen to our full story here. Cheers. Welcome to the Swell Suite, everybody. Happy Monday. Hey, Leslie. How are you doing? Did you watch the Super Bowl last night? I did watch the Super Bowl last night. It was a, it was a good game. It was a very good game. And you know, I wanted to go to bed and I was like, I can't because the game is so good. It was very good. It was very good. Yeah. Um, did you eat or drink anything good while you were watching the game? I did not. What? Mm. I know. I did not. I did not. Is that Darjan? This is Darjan. Um, this is very good. I'm very impressed with this. Um, I don't know what, what grapes she makes her rosé from, but um, I paired this with um, a catfish po' boy yesterday. And you know she's from Louisiana. I do, yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm slowly drinking through your entire wine collection of Black winemakers, and I love it. Everything's been great so far. Good, good. Good. Yeah. So what did you have? Did you do like a, did you set it out? Did you do a special Super Bowl feast? I didn't because this was very impromptu. Um, I just did the um, Catfish Po' Boys for the, you know, the Instagram <clears throat> and to mm-hmm. pair with your wines. Um, okay. But what, what did we have? Um, I air fried some wings. Um, we had fries um, and I just made a big salad. Uh, yeah, it was very simple. Yeah. Do you yeah. know, I still have not gotten on that air fryer craze yet. I know. I'm, I'm just, late well, to the I can, can I ask you a question? And this is no shade. How often do you even prepare food? <laughs> That's a very good question. <laughs> that is a very good question. And I would have to say frequently, like recently, almost every day. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, well, shut my mouth then. Well, you, you love it then. <laughs> you will love it. <laughs> okay. But I've been trying not to, um, like usually I'll do, I'll saute something really sure. quickly or pan sear something. You know, it has to be, it has yeah. to be fast. Well, that's the me. thing. That's what the air fryer okay. is. It gives you like okay. that texture, crunchy texture, um, very fast. Okay. Yeah, and um, I like I cook everything like from salmon. Now I haven't done shrimp. Shrimp, shrimp are too sensitive to me to put them in the air fryer. But okay, um, um yeah. So like crispy skin chicken, great mm-hmm. things that are breaded. If your fried chicken batter is like flour, don't put it in there because it's gonna come out weird. I've tried it; it was bad. Mm-hmm. So don't do that. Okay, but yeah, anything breaded, 
crispy skin, salmon, fish, all that. Oh, we should ask our, our guest today, what shouldn't we include in an air fryer? Well, since you brought her up, Chef Lisa. Hey. How are you? Hey, Chef Lisa. How Hello. are you? I am very well. Thank you. Great. Welcome to the Swirl Suite. So our question is, what should well, we put in the air fryer? <laughs> You're actually asking the wrong person because I'm on <laughs> Team No Air Fryer. You're kidding. Why? I, I own two brand new in-the-box air fryers that have never taken them out of the box. Chef well, Lisa, I, you I and I have a right out of the box. But I saw the equipment and like the books and I was like, okay, no. <laughs> so... I have not heard a compelling enough reason yet to actually use it. That's fair. That's because fair I enjoy the, the process of cooking. Like I enjoy the yeah. process of it, the process mm. of tending to it, turning it over, flipping it over, sauteing, basting. Like I like the process of cooking. And so, you know, I mean, in, in a pinch, I'll use a pressure cooker or like I'm not going to use slow cookers either. You know what I mean? So oh. it's kind of like, Really? I, I want to tend to the food like that's okay so I just haven't I haven't seen it compelling enough and I watch a lot of food videos and I've seen a mm. lot of air fryer stuff but I haven't seen anything compelling enough to make me actually pull that thing out and put it on the counter <laughs> and, uh, it. so I'm I know I'm probably missing out on something just you're you're not because I'm sure you have <laughs> You have exactly what you need for what you like in your kitchen. And exactly. That's fair. That's right. fair. Uh, so I have, I have a short story. Um, years ago, when um, Carla Hall, uh, when she was on Top Chef, she moved back to D.C. And I went to a cooking demonstration of hers. And I was telling her, I think I was just I was just having like a casual conversation with her. And I mentioned a garlic press. And she was like, oh, why do you need a garlic press? Why do you need that? I was like, why don't I need it? It presses the garlic. How else I'm going to do it? And so, so she gave me this whole speech about um, what is the thing? The thing. Uh, what is this? Microplane. 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 Yeah, yeah. She was just like, use the microplane to, you know, crush your garlic. To, yeah. To do everything. She was like, you can use with garlic, cheese or whatever. But all them gadgets, you don't need. You don't need a garlic press. Yeah, well, I love Carla. <laughs> I love her. She's she is sweet as pie, super nice. I love her, but I disagree on the really. Place. Okay, yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, when I was in culinary school, you know, they were like very anti anything that's um what I consider forward progress. Um, but um, like tools, gadgets, they were because they wanted to teach you how to do things you know, by hand which makes sense um but i mean if something's just gonna make your life a little bit easier and it doesn't you know affect the quality of anything then why not if you, you know, you're doing a lot of garlic cloves well yeah you could do them on a microplane and when i am somewhere else i'll use a microplane but um, you, know, you can't get to that last little bit of garlic though you can't get to that last little bit <laughs> i have to say i at this point i use neither <laughs> I will just um I'll get the Costco bag of uh garlic cloves and yeah. I'll remove all of the skin or whatever and then I put in a food processor and add olive oil and then I just keep it in the fridge. So Amen. Neither. Amen, sister. Yeah. Even better, even smarter. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Just use the back I'll, of my knife. I'll fully support that. 
the back I of your knife and the smash. I mean, that's kind of like that's how that's the way we're taught in culinary school, like smash it and then mince it, you know, with a knife. But if you gotta do, you know, forty cloves of garlic, I mean, come on. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, yeah that's not happening. Let's go to the food processor in that case, like she said. Yeah. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. So, so chef, did you always know that you wanted to be a chef? What made you go to culinary school? No, no, I didn't. In fact, I, I, I never. It never crossed my mind before I was thirty-nine years old. I mean, it never even crossed my mind. I thought everybody. I didn't realize it was a gift or a talent. I thought everybody could cook. Like, I just thought everybody knew how to cook. And then, I mean, because everybody, you know, everybody around me knew how to cook. So I didn't think it was anything special. I knew I didn't want to work in a restaurant. So I just never thought about it. Never thought that was a viable way to make money. Just never crossed my mind. So it wasn't until I was uh, 40 and I went to culinary school that I, I mean, yeah, I made that decision um, and, uh, and decided to to actually cook for a living, which is the it's the best decision I've ever made. So I'm so glad I did. <laughs> that is that is funny. Actually, how I got started in the wine business is because I made a career change, and the first thing I actually wanted to do was go to culinary school at forty ish, mm-hmm. and um, I was just like, I got grown folks bills I don't know I don't know how I'm gonna go to school and do that and so I ended up in the wine business but that's interesting that you you give me hope and inspiration yeah I mean I left a six-figure job I mean I left I quit I walked away from insurance benefit like all that and um never missed a beat never missed a bill never missed a payment I mean you know just nothing God told me to do it so he he provided you know, everything I needed to to make it viable. I mean, I had clients from, but literally before I started my business, I had clients. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of insane how it happened, which just let me know it was truly a God thing. You know, just reinforced it because it wasn't normal how, how, how um, expedited my, my process was, you know. Um, I became profitable immediately in business. And so I was making money while in culinary school, like like, like plenty, you know what I mean? So it was pretty, it's a, it's a special story, but you got to listen to that voice. You got to listen to that voice that says, you can't let fear stop that voice. If it, if you hear something telling you to do it, you know, and you, of course you can talk, let fear talk you out of it. I mean, we do that all the time. But if you listen to it, um. And if it's really what you're supposed to do, it'll be easy. Things will just happen easy. Doors open easy. And then you know that's like exactly what you're supposed to be doing. So was this abrupt or was it like gradual? Like, I think I want to do this, but I'm not sure. Um, Did you take any steps to prepare or you just? That's a good question. That's a good question. I mean, to me, it was abrupt. It It was a six month long process, but I was moving I mean, it was it was a six month process. So it was January of 2010 when I, you know, made the decision. I mean, I had been uncomfortable in that corporate world, like uncomfortable, meaning like stress, anxiety, like headaches, like stress was starting to really affect my body. And um, and I just got to the point where I was like, God, you got to get me out of here. Like you got to get me out of this place. And uh, and he said, cook. And I was like, wait, what? What do you mean, cook? Like how, how that's gonna work? Um, how am I gonna get money from that? And um, 
And so that's when the thought entered my head. So that's January. And immediately after that, people started telling me, like, so I cooked all the time. I, I did my own Sunday dinners with my coworkers, friends, you know, I've always kept Sunday dinners going even when I was away from home. And uh, people people started saying out of the blue, where they never said it before, out of the blue in that January, they started saying, oh my God, this is so good. You should cook for a living. You should cook for a living. It was just like the, that message was coming to me from everywhere. And so I was like, okay, I get it. Okay, right. <laughs> so my son was graduating high school in, in May. So that gave me five months to, to plan and prepare. Um, look for an apartment in Charlotte, enroll in culinary school, um, you know, just get us prepared to, to, to move. And so literally May 20th of 2010, we we moved to Charlotte. And on the 22nd of May, I cooked for my first client. And your first client. So you didn't want to go the restaurant route. So your first client, were you a personal chef or care? Yeah, yeah. it was personal chef clients. I, I, I um, It was a couple that I, pre- I prepared their breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. I mean, they're, they're, I would go into their house one day a week and prepare their meals for the week. Yeah. And I cooked for them for about, probably about 18 months, over a year while they were reaching their health goals. So yeah, it was um, personal chef clients. And that's mostly what I did for the first three years of business was meal prep, you know, in-home meal prep. And it just kind of blossomed from there into all these other amazing things that I've uh, done over the last 13 years. So you mentioned that everybody around you knew how to cook. Uh, who, t- who taught you how to cook your family? Yeah, my, my matriarchs, my mom, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, my aunts. Um, yeah, it was just, it's just the way we were raised, really. I mean, granted, I have sisters and they don't know how to cook, so I don't know where they were. I guess, well, they were outside playing, but I just stuck to my mom. I got stuck to my mom, stuck I just wanted to be in the kitchen. I wanted to be with her. I wanted to, I just like being in there with them. I like the, I was just drawn to it. I was drawn to it from the beginning. So I was like four and five years old. I have pictures of me at that age, like, you know, doing the deviled eggs and, you know, or, or um, you know, stirring the cream corn, cut like snapping peas, cleaning greens, like all that kind of stuff. So but I was just drawn to it. So I was in there with them. I learned everything you know, for, you know, from them until 40 when I went to culinary school. And then I learned a ton more. And then I learned the proper terminology for the things that I had learned as a child, basically. Um, but I did learn a ton more in culinary school, even though I've been cooking my whole life. Like a sisterly bond. I know for me, when, when I'm in the kitchen with my family, that there's, there's a bond and um, inhibitions are, are, are let down and and it's just a, a good family feeling yeah and nurturing definitely for sure especially I mean gr- growing up that's one of the best feelings I had was that feeling you're talking about that um it's like a just a sense of it for me it was a sense of like belonging and purpose and um you know because you know we fed so many people at my grandmother's house on Sundays, Sunday dinners, we fed probably 60 people. I mean, my, my, my mother and a couple of her siblings, my, my grandmother and a couple of her siblings, but then, then you're, then my mom, so, and her siblings and all of their children, so that's my cousins, you know, so it ends up being about 60 people on every Sunday. 
And, um, you know, and then of course, sometimes people come in from out of town, you know, the relatives that live in Baltimore, New York will come down. I mean, so it was just, it was just this amazing sense of purpose and preparing food for all those people. It was just, it was like a beautiful, or like a beautiful orchestra, like every instrument, like everything's just working together and, you know, aunt's over here and grandma's here. I mean, like everybody's just doing their part. And then everybody's just looking forward to that moment when it's like, you know, we pray and then we eat and it's just like, yes. And, you know, who made this? And who made this? And it's like, oh, I did that. You know, it's just a great feeling. Now that my, all of that generation is in heaven, um, it's, uh, you know, my, my sisters are now the like matriarchs of the family. And like I said, they don't really cook. So now it's more like, it's more of a solo mission for me when I'm in the kitchen cooking at this point. Um, so I kind of created that same, I created that feeling in my company with all of the black female chefs that I bring on and hire. So we've got a team of amazing women who who are chefs at my company. So when we are working and cooking together, I create that same feeling that I miss from, from when I was growing up in the kitchen with my aunties and, and, my, and my, my parents, grandparents. In every family, there's a person who can make the best mac and cheese and greens and sweet potato pie. Um, where do you fall in that category? Oh my gosh. At this point? In, in this <laughs> point in life? Like at 2023? 20, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, 2023, I'll probably all of that. All of those. Now, my niece does all the baking. She makes the pound cake, the red velvet cake, um, all of that. Like she's the baker. She has my great grandmother, my grandmother's recipes, pound cake and all that stuff. So she's the baker. So I don't bake at all. So she's the baker. And then all the, all the savory, I mean, it's pretty much me. My, my sister Roz makes amazing, like there's one or two things. Like my sister Roz makes an amazing coleslaw, like the best tasting coleslaw ever. So if there's ever cookout, anything where that's appropriate, then we always get her to bring the coleslaw, you know, and um, let's see. Yeah. My, I had one sister who was like amazing at meats, like fried chicken, and she could take a cheap steak, like a dollar, like a like the cheapest cut of steak you can get. She could cook it in 10 minutes and it will be the most tender steak you ever had in your life. I still to this day don't know how, I don't know how she, how she literally did that. I don't have no idea, but yeah. Um, yeah, she, she was, um, she was actually an amazing cook. She doesn't cook anymore, but she was an amazing cook when it came to meats. Um, but it's been years since she's cooked. So, um, so yeah, that's pretty much me now in 2023. I'm the one doing all that cooking. <laughs> I got the best of everything. <laughs> and that's what my cookbook represents, actually. The the Joy of the Feast is the name of my cookbook. And it is all of those, like if you had grown up with me, these are all the things you would have learned to cook. That's really what that the cookbook is. And I tell stories about all these things where they came from kind of um throughout the book and is that available um for sale on amazon or where can we yeah, find it that? is on it is on amazon um but i, I would prefer people on it they buy it from chefleasabrooks.com so yeah it's on amazon but it's on uh in barnes and noble anywhere where you can get books but it's uh you can get a, a signed copy from me at chefleasabrooks.com awesome hey glennis how are you hey glennis Hello, Swirl Sweet. Hello, Chef Lisa Brooks. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. All this food sounds yummy. I'm sitting here eating candy, which I should not be doing. I'm starving. Chef Lisa, can you talk about um, the amazing team that you 
assembled? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we are a team full of women of color. Uh, there's 11 chefs on the team right now. And there's always people kind of come and, you know, they kind of come and go because I'm mentoring them and training them, and supporting them and launching their own businesses. So sometimes heart and soul personal chef service acts as sort of like an incubator at times. And then, and then there's, you know, people who they just, that like the heart and soul is their full-time job. So, um, so just over the years, it's been, I didn't intend for it to be that initially. I, I had no clue even that I would even have a team. I always thought it would just be me cooking in people's homes, but the demand for the service just got to be so overwhelming. And I don't like to say no to money. Right. So I don't like to say, uh, no, I'm already booked. So I had to start getting extra hands, <laughs> and, you know, extra hands here and extra hands there. And then, so what I started to do was I would get um, other uh, graduates of this culinary school that I went to. Um, I'll go to the culinary school, I still do to this day, and speak to the classes, like to talk about my life as a personal chef and see who's interested in that type of working in that type of line of work and um, or the chefs there, the the, the uh, you know the chef, the teachers, the sh the chef professors will, will um, will send you know send students to me as well. So they'll do their internship with me, and then I can see how they work and if it's going to be a match. And then if it works out, then I will hire them. Um, and it's just always been that black women is who that's who's drawn to me. You know, so it wasn't intentional at first, but it's just it's what it's turned into is that it's just black girl magic <laughs> over here. Um, and it's amazing. Everybody has their own story, their own, you know, what their own story, what led them to cooking their own um, culinary identity. And I help them develop that as well, give them that language to use. And also for some of the girls, I call them girls, I, I don't know, they're women, but I guess because I'm older than them, I, I, some of them are like my children. <laughs> so, um, but some of them, you know, come from backgrounds where they weren't exposed to a lot of you know, like any kind of upscale, fancy, you know, things. And so to go into these million dollar homes and, and cook for, you know, the type of clientele that we, we cook for, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of training and etiquette that's involved and just how to, how to serve with, you know, professionalism and, but like that sense of, I call, we call it royalty, where we treat people like royalty, like we are, royalty and we are serving we are royal servants so um so we make people feel like kings and queens when we serve and so there's there's a whole just philosophy about that um and it's biblical but you know we we want to serve people in a certain way and so a lot of times it's not just cooking with my team it's again cooking and etiquette um etiquette and um, just exposure to different food types, different different uh, global cuisines, um, just so they keep expanding, expanding their knowledge and exposure um, so they can grow as, as chefs. So is this the same group that goes on your Joy of the Feast tour? Or is this something different? It no, it is. Those are all my all my chefs, all my team. They're all in the heart and soul family. Um the the we haven't we haven't toured um this year, or actually 2022. We toured in 2021, and now all of our pop-up dinners, um, they were pop-ups that we did you know, in different cities around the country, um, and we, you know, COVID kind of like 
it was kind of hit or miss with uh with still with COVID protocols during that time and uh um various shutdowns of various regions and so you know we started doing them regularly in charlotte so now that dinner series is called maddie's front porch maddie's my grandmother and i call that pop-up dinner series maddie's front porch um where i welcome people into my home not this is my apartment but not so i have a, a house that we that's where my office is and, and it's just like this huge uh space like a i, I guess you would call it a great room it's huge um with wood floors and we and we um you know we set it up really beautifully and um and actually have people come into my home and so it's like a very special chef's table um experience there's nothing that's on our normal menu would be on those menus they're themed every month so we do that once a month sometimes the theme is sunday dinners um that's a little more laid back sort of family style and it's just country good old country food sometimes the you know, it could be a beer and seafood dinner. Like next Tuesday, we have a Mardi Gras Fat Tuesday dinner. So it's all Cajun Creole cuisine. It's just whatever we can dream up and think up for the pop-up dinners. So now those dinners are monthly and they're stationary in Charlotte. Just for now, I mean, I definitely want to go back, you know, take things back to different cities. I mean, we were in Greensboro last weekend. We did a whole residency there at the Magnolia House, which is one of the original Green Book Inns. Um, a historic place, amazing place. And um, so we were there all weekend, me and my whole, my team. So we cook Friday, you know, Friday through Sunday there. So, and you know, we go to Raleigh, we go to Raleigh a lot. So around Atlanta, um, so we do go and, you know, when we're quiet, you know, we're in a choir, but we haven't been on tour um, this year because we've been doing them in Charlotte. And that's been amazing. We were actually voted the best pop-up in Charlotte in 2022. Congratulations. Thank you. It was so much fun. It was the best. It was one of the best experiences of my life, honestly. It was so much fun. It was something I have been afraid of for so long. And I, I'd said for many years, I'd said, there's no way I'll ever go on top. I, I would tell people that. They're like, well, you should go on top. I'm like, nope, you'll never see me on top. <laughs> All the time. You have to be careful what you say you ain't going to do. Because nine times I tell you, you're making a list of exactly the things you're going to do. Um so yeah, I was on Chopped. It was the Black History Month episode last year. So it was about this time. It was February 17th last year that it aired. And uh, first time ever, they'd had a whole, all four chefs were Black, all the judges were Black, um, and all the ingredients that were in the mystery baskets were, you know, things that were um, typical or, or contributed to American cuisine by um, African-Americans, basically. So it was uh, an amazing episode. I'm still friends today with all of the chefs that I competed against. And to get down to that last round, that dessert round, um, I was just so super proud. Of course, you want to win, but honestly, I was so thankful I didn't get eliminated early. You know, I just you just you don't you don't want to be the first to go home. And then when you stay the first time, you're like, okay, I think I can do this. And you build your confidence up. And then of course, when you make it to dessert, then you're like, okay, now nah, I can win this thing now. Um, so it was just exciting. It was exciting to have to watch party and have all my um, family and friends like over to watch it because I had to, couldn't tell anybody anything. Even my son, like who you know, he and I are like two peas in a pod. He, I didn't tell him a thing. So everybody who was watching it at the watch party had no idea what the outcome was. So it was really cool. Because I mean, I wanted them to experience all the anticipation and the angst and not knowing what happened. It was super cool. Um, so yeah, it was really fun. One of the one of the best experiences of my life. So could you 
I know you couldn't tell them the results, but could you tell them that you were going on the show or you just, you couldn't tell them that either? Uh, I told my son, my best friend, that I was going on the show. Yeah. Okay. So I, I tried not to tell, you know, my, some of my team, um, you know, if you're going to be out of pocket for, you know, four, four days or so, you got to tell people something. Right. Um, well, that's what I was wondering. Like, yeah. how like oh I just went to the grocery store and come back four days later you know what I mean right exactly so yeah you, I mean and they're totally fine with you telling your immediate you know family obviously if you're married you're telling your husband and kids like you're going to do chop but um you know any you know talking about it on social media or anything like that would have you know um that would have made you ineligible to um compete and or win you know so if you if something like that had happened between the time we filmed and the time the show aired, and let's say I did win, I would forfeit that the winnings if you know I had you know spoken about it beforehand. So, um, so yeah, I kept the results to myself, but you know my son and my best friend and a few of my team members uh, knew that I was going to film it. What was the weirdest thing in your box where you looked at it like, oh no, what am I going to do with um, this? Well, you know, because it was a Black History Month episode now, I was <laughs> confident that there ain't nothing they could put in this box, honey. I'm not going to know. <laughs> if it's Black, for, like seriously, like, you ain't going to be able to put nothing in this box. I'm not going to know. However, there was like something called, there was fish peppers. I mean, it's peppers. It's like a chili or something. It was called fish peppers. I specifically hadn't heard of fish peppers, but I mean, it was just, you know, like a little tiny red chili. I mean, you just use it like mm. peppers. Otherwise, everything else, I mean, we had millet as a grain, which oh. is not something of course I've heard of millet, Yeah, but I'd never cooked millet before. Yeah, uh, I just never... had it for the first time this year. Yeah, and I assumed, you know, I just assumed it was going to take the entire 30 minutes, and I think all of us put that millet on right away, because we didn't, none of us had ever cooked it before. So that's something we, you know, of course we know how to cook grains, so it wasn't like, you know, the typical chop basket where it's just something you ain't even, you don't even know like what it is what it tastes like nothing so we had some tricky like tricky combinations of food but there was pretty much everything you knew you knew what it was you knew how you could use it um so then you just got to be creative at that point it was really cool it was a very cool experience we're gonna play a quick game of smash or pass Uh so that just means you eat it or you don't all right Uh, here we go everybody playing everybody's playing all right, let's do it. Everybody's playing. First one, butterboards. Have y'all seen this trend yeah. of butterboards? People will take a cutting board and they will just like swoop on uh, any kind of like butter or peanut butter or whatever. And then you put all the, the food around it that you'll dip into the butter. I don't know. It's kind of weird, but people are doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, the idea of a butterboard just sitting out as a as a appetizer, I would say pass on it. But I mean, I'm a southerner, so butter. I'm not afraid of butter, so <laughs> and I make compound butter, so I guess ultimately I, I would say smash. Glenn's I'm gonna cousin. pass. I'm passing. So yeah, I wanted to hear your 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 reasoning. Oh, reason. oh I'm passing because you know I am a, a hypochondriac, and people dipping stuff in the middle. Mm-mm. Nah, nah, man, I can't do that. Got a point there. <laughs> I would I would try it, but it has to be like real butter. It can't be. Mm-hmm. Well, it has to be butter now. It has to be butter. I think we yeah. have to agree on that. It's got to be yeah. butter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would try it. Um, for me, 
I would smash only if it was at somebody's house. If it's a, if I'm somewhere and it's a lot of people, a conference, a open dinner, yeah. like just nah, I'm not gonna do that. But yeah. if it's a small, was, small dinner party, sure, sure, why not? I was getting ready to say Leslie is lying. She was the <laughs> first one to pass on that cheese when we was on that tour in the Finger Lakes. Yeah. So I'm yes. getting ready to say, girl, what has <laughs> changed in your life? Okay, so let me let me let me set the scene for you. Okay, first of all. It was real COVID, not like COVID light that we're experiencing right. now. Even though I just talked to two people today who had COVID. I'm like, what's going on? Um, and we were masked up and these jokers, using Glenn's term, they were breathing over the cheese. They were, This one like separated, you had your own little, no, thank you. No, thank you. Yes. Yeah, it was a lot of people too. Okay, next one. Chitlins, smash or pass? Hard, hard pass. pass. Hard pass. Hard pass. Really? Oh, this okay. is a pass, Leslie. <laughs> this is a pass. So, although I don't eat beef or pork anymore, I haven't had it in, I don't know, probably 20 years. I do remember chitlins. I remember the taste hot sauce, vinegar. I remember mm -hmm. them being good. Now, the whole process. Of cleaning them and all of that, I also remember, and it was disgusting. But there was something nostalgic about having a small bowl of them during the holidays. So, but uh, it's a pass. Nope. <laughs> there is a place in Baltimore. I don't know if it still exists, but that's all they did. What you mean, like a chitlin cafe? Yeah, and they and they did mail order. They did mail order chitlins too. Chilling cafe. Oh, oh out, of, out of Baltimore. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yep. Well, I know it stunk around there. It, it had to. Yes. It had to. <laughs> also, that had to be expensive. Because I remember chillings being kind of expensive. Was it? No. I don't know. I don't know. I, never, I thought it was the throwaway food. That's why we... Well, yeah. well, you know, them jokers always make some a delicacy after the fact, just like yeah. French onion, French onion soup. Oh, that like, was that's the next one, Glennis. Oh, my bad. No, no, you go ahead. <laughs> French onion soup. Oh, definitely. I'll smash. I love French onion soup. Smash for me too. Love it. I pass. I don't, hard, I don't understand hard pass. it. Hard pass. Me too. I don't, really? I don't understand it. I don't. What do you mean you don't understand? Like, tell me what is like. Explain this, Leslie. You explain go first. This. I just don't understand melted cheese on top of broth. I don't understand that. I get that part. It's the bread in between that I can't it? do. You taste it? No, I've never tasted. <laughs> okay, it. Never, all right. Never, oh, you've so, never, never even had it. it. All right, Leslie, so, you can mute yourself. You never <laughs> told us that. It's okay. Mute yourself now. So, first of all, you know, I think your, the, the actual, I think the actual soup is delicious, but the bread is my problem. I don't like things that are soggy. So that bread in between the cheese and the soup, don't do that. If you left the bread out, I'll eat it. That's fair. Next one, spam. I'm gonna let y'all guess that one. It would be a pass. <laughs> it would be a pass right now. First of all, all the spam is on recall right now. All of it's been recalled, so it's definitely a pass right now. But I definitely have some strong, good memories tied to a nice fried piece of spam. Absolutely. 
Absolutely not. Yeah. Ass. Hard. I didn't eat that mess neither. That's like Vienna sausages. Hell no. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. It is just like Vienna sausages. Yeah. We just mm-hmm. call them Vienna. I don't know why we did. That's we call right. them Vienna sausages. This <laughs> yeah. country, this country, we said um, Vienna sausages. I remember, <laughs> it's literally I remember, the grossest stuff in the world. It is. But it, is. it is. I remember my dad used to take the um, the paper label off of the Vienna sausage and leave them in the um, the can and sit them on top of the gas burner <laughs> to warm them up. Wow. Oh my gosh. Whoa. That sounds about right. That sounds about, okay. right. All that right. Sound about right. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, I forgot. You your family country too, Leslie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh I do have fond memories of spam, but hard pass for me. I just meet in a can. I can't wrap my mind around no. it. Not in 2023, right? Like we can't. No. Right, right. And what no. if you lo- what if you lost the key? How do you get it open now? What you mean? It's you got the key. Pull top. Don't it got the thing? Did you? Just... It's got the pull top. Oh, see this. So you try. had the old school joint with the. Yeah. Oh, oh child. I have had spam. Girl, Ooh. you had the key. Like, how old are you? What? <laughs> Y'all had the little. That is old school for real. Wow. Oh I totally forgot about that under thing. Forty years old with not any idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I knew exactly I know. what you were talking about. Just throw yep. it all in the trash. <laughs> okay next one so arby's has this new item on the menu i don't know if y'all seen a commercial for it ranch mac and cheese mm. hard pass for your girl i don't even go in arby's like, the so people really, like, how are they still in business <laughs> right exactly. first of all y'all arby's still Who has bomb fries who else has curly fries nah, come on y'all who else has curly fries? Nobody. Restaurants you can back find in the box. <laughs> right. Back in the box, another place that I don't know how it's in. Oh, well, we don't have those here. <laughs> okay. Well, they, yeah. um, but how do how do you do ranch? Yeah, that's a good cheese? question. That's yeah. I mean, it looks disgusting. Flavored ranch, but I mean, <sighs> I'm just a purist when it comes to certain things. Like I want it the way it's God intended it to be. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Exactly. Great cheese supposed to be just smacker. I mean, I don't even want bacon in it. I want ham in it. Like I don't want. No, no. Macaroni and cheese. That's not. Yeah. That's not macaroni and cheese. Yeah, I don't just want macaroni. Cheese. In it. That's yeah, not macaroni yeah. I don't want no yeah. extra stuff. You know what I mean? I mean, you can make a ranch pasta and call it something else or something, but no, <laughs> that's enough. For me. I don't honestly. I don't even like herbs in my mac and cheese. That there, I went to a cookout once, and these these folks they went to Costco and bought the the Costco mac and cheese and they doctored it up with all these herbs. I was like, what? Nope. Nope. Already they, turned they off. Were wrong. They were wrong, wrong from the start line. So yeah. It's true. They were wrong. <laughs> they, were wrong off, they were wrong off gate. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't fix that. <laughs> so that's a hard pass. All right. Frito nachos. I mean, I'm smashing that. Yeah. Why are you frowning last no, I'm, I'm just trying to Frito think. nachos. My yeah, how is that different like from leverage. the barbecue? The bar, you know, the barbecue nachos. How's so different? Wait, 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 wait. You talking about you talking about flavors of Fritos? We talking oh, about my bad. Let me explain. <laughs> so right. let me explain. So back in the day when we were in school, I think they still do this at restaurants and stuff. You take your open your bag of um, Fritos, right, and you put chili and cheese in the bag, 
and you eat them out of the bag. Never have done Freedom. it. Freedom not to Never done that. Never well, done Leslie, that. Leslie, Leslie, tell me you've been in prison without telling me you've been in prison. <laughs> Never have done This was that. junior oh high school. God. It was a whole thing. It was a whole thing. It was fun. High school, like in the 90s? And uh, yeah, I was in junior high school. It was the nineties, yes. Because you know, I was out of high school in the eighties. So I'm like, oh, we just shut up, didn't do that. So is that is that a pass? Y'all passing on yes, your nachos? Oh, <laughs> smash! That's a smash for me. Got gotcha. you. Smashing. Sour cream and everything. I put sour cream and everything in it. Yeah, it's it's good. Okay. Just have the flavor. All right, here we go. Rocky Mountain oysters. No, ma'am. Hard ass. Ah! No, ma'am. Absolutely never. Absolutely. I had, a, not. I had a video on that. Nope. Did you? You had a video on that? I had a video on that. Uh-huh. And, and honestly, the dude, I mean, I'm certain they probably tasted amazing because he cooked them things. This old country dude, like in Georgia somewhere, black dude. I mean, the way he could was season them and cooking them flour and everything. I was like, it's probably good. I just can't. Like, I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> I if it's I lamb, I if if it's lamb, I'll I'll give it a try. I'll give it a try. If you don't know what Rocky Mountain Horse is, just Google it. It'll tell just you. Just Google it. Yep. Right. It'll tell you exactly what they are. <laughs> uh okay. The KFC mashed potato bowl. Hmm. Hard pass. Oh, that's a pass for me mm-hmm. as well. No, thank you. Yeah, same. No, thank you. I don't know. No. Okay. Those- now, I've never had this before, but <laughs> I heard it's horrible. Um, but Dorian, have you had it before, Chef? If you want to take the smell of chitlins times 10, that's what Dorian smells like. Oh, <laughs> is it? You I, I never had it. It's a fruit. I mean, I mean, I, I I don't see how you get past the smell to eat it. I really don't. I don't see how you get past it. I mean, I don't see how you can. I mean, I just don't see how you can get past it to eat it. But people do. I mean, they clearly. It's they it's do. so bad that um, if y'all have ever watched Andrew Zimmer and uh, Bizarre Foods, it's the one one of the one things he will not eat. He wouldn't eat. He <laughs> will not eat it because it smells so bad. It is terrible. Yeah. Oh and it's gosh. a fruit. It's a fruit. Yeah. 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 Wow. Mm. Yeah. I know I wouldn't eat it then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last one. The McDonald's McRib. Smart ass. <laughs> you smash a McRib though? I can't wait. What about <laughs> three times a year? If that's the one time I could be vegan, I could be vegan. Then two times a year, I'm gonna get that McRib. I might, I might pay for it. I need that. I made a McRib on my on my channel. I made a homemade McRib with real ribs. Pull the bones out um, on my on my Instagram and TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made a McRib. You made. You had. You knew what meat. You well, yeah, it was real. What it is that real. mess McDonald's got in it? What is it? I don't even know. You don't know what's in the burgers or anything. What you talking about? Mm-mm-mm. You don't know it's... what's in none of that food at McDonald's. I, I know, know the potatoes. They're the best looking potatoes. You don't know what's I know in a potato. Oh. I, I don't eat no nuggets from there neither. You don't know what's in the nuggets. Probably, I mean, I don't I, eat them. It's just one of those things. That's why you say grace. You just got to say grace. <laughs> <laughs> you just say grace. Ask, ask God to bless to eat it. 
you know, the Lord gives you the power of discernment sometimes. You're like, nah, you know, I made you smart enough not to be eating that. Don't yeah. be asking me to bless baby. them. You shouldn't be eating you know, already. Take anyway. care of babies and fools. He take care of babies and fools. So, <laughs> that oh my God. I'm on his hit list. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, this was fun. I like a little girl chat. Yeah. Nice. It was a pleasure meeting. Sorry I was delayed, but um, it was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you, Glennis. Yeah. Leslie, thank all of you for thank having you. me. Yeah, tell everybody uh, where they can follow you. So I am at Chef Lisa Brooks on everything. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. At Chef Lisa Brooks. Awesome. Well, awesome. that awesome. is a wrap. Thanks for joining the Swirl Suite. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave us five stars, and leave us a comment. We love ratings. Also, be sure to follow all of us on social media. Myself at Vine Me Up, Glennis at Vino Noir, Girl Meets Glass is Tanisha, Vino301 is Leslie, and you can follow the Swirl Suite podcast account at Swirl Suite. The Swirl Suite is now a part of the Alive Podcast Network. This episode has been edited and produced by Vime Up Media.